Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. And the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory even as from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is Paul's marvelous word in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. If you really want to be a free person, you can only arrive to that reality by the Lord, who is the Spirit. Only the Spirit of the Lord can really free you. Paul would also go on to say, only the Spirit of the Lord can transform form you. That is, he can take what is useless in your life and give it purpose. That which is vacant and empty, he can fill. That which is darkness in your mind, let's say darkness in your habits, let's say darkness in your many addictions, and let's say darkness in your confusions, whatever darkness besets you and I, the Spirit of the Lord can bring about light and transformation in that area. Whatever is dead in us, the Spirit of the Lord can resurrect into life. Not only did the Spirit of the Lord birth us, but the Spirit of God is hovering over us to transform us. Today, I want to highlight a little bit of the transforming work of the Spirit of God in the lives of those who have called upon the name of Jesus Christ. And again, there are so many passages throughout the entire Word of God that we can um, make this point clear from. But today, I want to go back to Genesis. I want to uh, extrapolate only verse 1 and verse 2 in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. And it's the creation story. Most of us, we skip over the creation story and maybe perhaps treat it as a flannel graph story in a Sunday school lesson of sorts. But the creation story is more than just history. It is actually prophetic. The creation story, whenever it took place, and of course that's where most folk get hung up, is when really did creation take place. That story has prophetic innuendos, and the spiritual man will begin to pick up the prophetic innuendos where many a time the carnal man, the fleshly man, the man who's just after knowledge and let's say facts, and perhaps even the man of science, he will really struggle through the book of Genesis because his science is incompatible with the word of God. 
And I want you to understand, I am not trying to teach science here. I am not trying to unpack young earth versus old earth theories. I'm a spiritual man, and I want to speak a spiritual message. I want to speak the wisdom of God to those who have spiritual ears. And I want to unpack just two verses for you a little bit by way of introduction as to the role of the Holy Spirit in you and I's life of waste, chaos, uselessness, our life of purposelessness, our life of of darkness, and our life of bondage. I just want to highlight again for you here what the Spirit of God is doing if we can read between the lines. Genesis, even though it's a literal account of what happened, it has prophetic overtones in just about every sentence. Your natural eye won't see that. Your natural ear won't hear that. If you're in your spirit, is everybody in their spirit? You're going to see some things that's God's heart here in Genesis. That as you read onwards in the Bible, you go, oh my goodness, there's already the type in Genesis. So we say that Genesis is the seed book of the Bible. The seeds for the divine revelation of God is sown in Genesis, but it is not fully grown or harvested in Genesis. Genesis introduces a lot of things, but the explanation thereof you will find in the remainder of the biblical record. Are you with me? Now, beloved, you would do well for the next year or two to do a typology study. You got to begin to see it as a record for your spiritual life. All scripture is God breathed. It has the element of the breath of God on it. And where does the breath of God primarily want to reside? Inside the spirit of man. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Look at verse 2, if you will. My translation starts with the word, but. It introduces a contrast. It introduces an opposition in Genesis 1, verse 2. It says, but the earth. Where does man primarily live? On the earth. This terra firma, this environment, something happened to it. Notice verse 2. But the earth became waste. Now doesn't that just sound like God? Or does it? It says, the earth became waste and emptiness. That's y'all's word in your translation, probably vacant. Doesn't that sound like God? 
or not? Hmm. In the beginning, God created. Then something is beginning to happen here. The earth became waste. I know this can't be God because the way I understand the Bible and the way I've come to understand the nature and character of God, it appears to me that God doesn't create waste and barrenness, does He? It appears to me God has purpose, intentionality, wisdom. So something is happening here in verse 2 for it to become waste. And then there's another word here, emptiness. Your translation probably has the word vacant. In other words, what God created here, all of a sudden, I'm not sure exactly how that looked or whatever, but it becomes something other than this. Notice also this word, darkness was on the surface of the deep. Does that sound like God to you? Darkness? When the entire biblical revelation clearly portrays that there is no darkness in God. 1 John 1 verse 5. Major verse. God is light. In Him is no darkness. Now listen. God created the heavens and the earth. Is everybody in agreement? Yeah. That's an easy statement. Then there's a contrast. But the earth became. That's the Hebrew word hayah. It's the same thing that happened to Lot's wife. Lot's wife was a human being. Yeah? She runs from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as she looks back, she became a pillar of salt. Exact same Hebrew word. God made the heavens and the earth. It morphed. It transformed. It changed. It became something other than its original. Can you follow with me intellectually, logically? Yeah? So, but notice what it became. We don't know what it was. That's speculation. What did the original earth look like? How long ago was this creation earth created? This visible world? That's, that's above my pay grade. I know most of y'all have that figured out, but <laughs> I'm not there yet. So I know that's where most of you get hung up. Listen with your spiritual ear. See with your spiritual eye. This is God. Then it changes. Something happens. Now saints, we have four words here. Waste. Waste. There's no purpose. Chaos. Vacant. We know from Proverbs 8, it shows how God created everything and through His wisdom, how He set up the heavens and set up the earth. And then it says in Proverbs 8, God's delight is in the inhabited world. He does not like emptiness. He loves inhabitants. He loves life. 
God is life. So whatever he does on this earth is life and life-giving. So we have this condition, waste, vacant. There's, there's no inhabitants. Then there's this word darkness and then the word the deep water. This is the condition of the earth at this time. A catastrophic event of sorts happened. This is where many, not all, Bible scholars say, Satan fell to this earth under the judgment of God. He was cast down with a third of the angelic beings that followed him in rebellion to this earth. It's just a theory. It's probably true. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Do you? Whatever happened, we see a picture that the condition is other than the original. Now, saints, that is a picture of what happened to you. But before it happened to you, it happened to Adam. God made that man and the woman right here. Boom. Beautiful. Alive. Brilliant. This was God's creation. Adam. This was God's man. This was God's woman. And then they took the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they became other than what God had originally intended. Are you tracking with me? Waste. Useless, chaotic, dark, and baptized in water. That is the symbol of death. Completely immersed in death. So, we come to Genesis chapter 1 and the latter part of verse 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the surface of the waters. Follow with me in the typology. This is God's heart, God's mind, God's standard. This is God's wholeness, God's beauty, God's creation. Something happens, inferior, below the standard, completely other than. And right there in that chaos is the Spirit of God. Why? Because God has a vested interest on this earth. I'm not exactly sure how the chaos was formed, what happened. Maybe it was indeed all the devils and demons and Satan and destroying this earth. Not exactly sure. We have lots of verses to potentially prove that. You can search it out. But here's what happens. The Spirit of God is hovering. Why? To hatch. God is about to speak into this chaotic situation. He's a speaking God. In the beginning was the Word. God has a burden for this earth. And by the way, you'll see that His burden is tied to man, not the mountains, not the trees, man. He wants a testimony in this chaotic earth. God has interest. 
He has purpose for this earth. And the Spirit of God is right there because the Spirit, we understand later on in the Bible, is the one who realizes the intentions of God in this earth. So you immediately see a picture. God the Father, the one with the wisdom, the counsel, the purposes, God. Somehow has an agenda for this planet. Immediately in Genesis, you see something probably of the satanic. Satan has an opposition. Darkness. Uselessness. Chaos. Without purpose. Vacant. A baptism of death. This is Satan's economy. This is the way that he wants to regulate this planet, so to speak. Uh-uh. The Spirit of God is there. The Spirit of God is there. Is this not how you got born again? God created you. God has a mind for you. God has purpose for you. God has destiny for you. God has a vision for your life. And God created you beautiful, by the way. You're a stunning person. Potential. You're a winner. God has a mind and a heart and a vision for you and I. He loves life. And you're going to see in the Genesis record, he loves swarms of life, abundant life. This is the burden of God. This is you, beautiful. And as you grow up in this earth, what happens to all of us? We became other than what God originally intended for you. We fall short of the glory that God has for you. You're supposed to live out the testimony of God on this earth. You are supposed to visibly put God on display. Why do we speak in such language? Because of John's gospel. In John's gospel, no eye has ever seen the Father. But he who was in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and reality. Christ, who is Christ? Christ is just God on display. Now I know you've never heard that. But the Father no man can see. You can't hear the Father. God is other. Divine. So God incarnated himself into a little girl. And out of that little girl, a body was produced. What did that body, that man, Yeshua, all that he did was put God visibly on display. From that, we can see that God's intention on this planet is a visible testimony, a visible expression. And he does not use monkeys or crocodiles to fully be his expression. The mountains are not fully the expression of God. That's why we don't go to the mountains to find answers or the proper image of God. You're going to always fall short. Man is to be the expression of God. Man is to speak for the Lord. Man is to put God on display. Man is to be the partner of God. So why is the Spirit of the Lord there? To realize a visible manifestation in this earth of an otherwise invisible God. We know from the book of Colossians that Christ is the visible image 
of the invisible God. So much so that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Amen. So who is Jesus? Jesus is just God on display. Somebody we can touch. You can't touch God in the heavens. You can't talk to him hardly. You're incompatible with God. You're human. He's divine. You can't hug God. God is invisible, transcendent, unsearchable. You can't really know all the things about him. He's just divine. God is just what we would call majestic, supernatural. Here comes God incarnated. Now we can handle him, touch him, hug him. We can interact with God. He's more on my level. He's fully divine, but he gave up that divine power, that divine capability. And he came and he lived just as a normal, common man. And he said, you know, if you touch me, if you listen to me, if you see me, you hear me, you've heard the Father. He is the testimony of the invisible. Saints, this was Adam's intention. This was his calling. Adam, born of the earth, inbreathed by God. Adam was to just live out the purposes of God on this earth. So why is the Spirit of the Lord there? To make that happen. To lead this creation in the reality of God. So, how did you get born again? Yes, you were made by God. We have purpose. God has a great burden for you on this earth to express Him. But as we grow up, sin has taken a hold of us, like it took a hold of Adam. And he fell from the glory, the expression. And he begins to live a life of hiding, a life of fear and running. And his experience is, why am I even here? This is useless. I'm vacant. I'm not filled. Life is not my flow and my source. Even though I look like I'm alive, I'm actually just existing. Darkness in his mind. Emotion. Darkness in his will. And even the few good things the man does become super religious and self-righteous. Fallen in every regard. Where's the Spirit of the Lord? Right there. Wooing. Knocking. Convicting. Seeking. That's what the Spirit... How did you get born again? Of the Spirit of God. It's exactly what happens here in the creation story. In following with the typology, we might say that earth failed to express God. Again, earth was now waste and empty and dark and completely enveloped in water. And so the expression, the visibility, if you will, the testimony of God failed. But there is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, you will see in our upcoming session, is to bring about 
the economy of God, the way of God, the glory of God, the purposes of God. The Spirit of God is the restorative agent God has ordained to work in this earth. If the earth is to express God, it will only be by the Spirit of God. If you and I, as God's man and God's woman, if we are to put God on display, if we are to live a life a shining God, exemplifying and exuding God, if you and I are to live a life showing forth the wisdom and the economy of God, that is God's will, God's way, God's desire, God's burden, God's passion. If you and I are to grow into glory, if you and I are to transform, if you and I are to bear fruit, we will only do it insofar we allow the Spirit of God to hover over us. Creation was in a mess, according to the typology, but the Spirit of God restored creation, and creation then became fit for the testimony of God. And you and I are God's creation, and ever since our birth, we have fallen short. Um, we don't have it together. In a nutshell, we are in sin. But right there in that chaos of sin and even in that darkness of sin, there is the Spirit of God. I hope you can see the typology that the Spirit of God is not afraid of darkness. He's right here to rush in like a, like a mighty wind almost and just birth in us newness. Back in the Genesis account, it's almost as though creation experienced a metamorphosis. You know, the, the process of metamorphosis, where the egg um, hatches to become a uh, caterpillar, and the caterpillar eventually cocoons, and out of the cocoon comes the butterfly, and then the butterfly lays the egg. And that process is metamorphosis. It's almost as though creation transformed backwards. And it, it went into the wrong direction, in a negative, even satanic direction. And here, Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uses the word in the Greek language, metamorphou, when he says that we are being transformed into the image of God, by the Spirit of God. That word transformed is the word metamorphosis. So where in the, in the satanic influence into this world, the world morphed backwards, so to speak, under the spiritual influence, under the spirit of God's hovering, under the spirit of God's moving, under the spirit of God working inside of the sons and daughters of God, we experience a metamorphosis, we experience a transformation in the image of God again. Creation fell from the image of God because of Satan, because of sin. But you and I, creation, we are being retransformed, back transformed to glory because of the Spirit of God. I want to encourage you today, wherever you are and you feel as though things are waste in your life, things are empty and vacant, things are dark, and perhaps you're in a baptism of death, I want to encourage you to say yes 
to the Holy Spirit, the hovering spirit that is wanting to do a transformative work in your life. And how will you know you're a transformed person? It's simple. Again, from Paul's word to the Corinthians, when you are in the image of Jesus, when you can put God on display, when you love God and speak God, and and you walk out the beauty and the purposes and, and, and the focus, the burden, the desires of God, you will know that you're in the image of God when you walk with God and exemplify him into this earth. That's a work that religion cannot do for you. That's a work that your flesh simply cannot do for you. The transformation that you and I need to become more like Jesus, that can only come from the spirit of the living God.